when there has been betrayal, it's like a couple has been in the car. The husband is driving. The husband has an accident and is totally responsible for the accident. And just like he's going to need his own help to recover from the car accident, she is too. And one of the mistakes that can be made is believing because my husband was the one that was driving the car, I don't need support and help. But the reality, she was injured by the accident and whether she was driving or not, she's going to need the same type of care. So in the early days, we want to see the wife getting the care that she needs, the support, the help, the truth that's going to be helpful for her as the husband is getting the help that he needs. As she gets stronger, as she is able to be grounded in her truth, there may come back to a time where they can support each other in their own healing and recovery. But in the early days, that is really very difficult. Welcome to the Faithful and True Podcast. We are back with you today, as promised, with part two of a two-part podcast featuring Dr. Greg Miller and Tammy Gustafson from the Trail Healing Conference. Uh, We brought you the first half a week or two ago, and now Greg is here to conclude his presentation at that conference. Here now is Dr. Greg Miller and Tammy Gustafson. Okay, so I had a couple of questions I jotted down as you were talking about um, just taking this, that understanding that is is powerful. And then from a wife's perspective, as far as what to do with it and what does that mean? Um, you talked, I mean, you've talked a lot about legitimate needs, and I think that is so it's such an important piece. I did want to circle back to that and and just clarify that just because that husband has that legitimate need does not mean that is the wife's job to meet that need. Absolutely. Well, and I would even say it's beyond the wife's capacity to meet all of these needs. You know, one of the things that creates so much disruption in a relationship, in a marriage, is when I have the core belief that my spouse should or is able to meet all of my needs. In fact, one of the things that we really encourage is for someone in recovery, they're going to need like in our case, working with men, they're going to need a community of men that can support them and encourage them um, and be a part of their recovery team. And one of the ways that we see men fail is when they try to do this by themselves. You know, early on, they may want their wives to be kind and gracious and forgiving. And the reality is that's just not possible. You know, in my own recovery, you know, that's part of my story is um, I'm in recovery for sex addiction also. And in the early days, it was foolish for me to expect that my wife could be with me in this. Um, She was in so much of her own hurt and pain, and I still had needs for support and encouragement, and it was not my wife's responsibility to do that. And so part of that wise marriage is that we do have realistic expectations about what our wife is able to do and what our wife isn't able to do. And the needs are still legitimate and valid, and our wife cannot meet all of those. Yeah. And I would say there are a lot of wives who will want to meet those or try to meet those. And I think there's, there's one, it's a a natural desire 
outside of betrayal, where we want to help our partner, where we want to love and care. We don't want to see our partner in pain. But one of the things that I see, one of the detriments of when wives do that after betrayal, particularly in that early time, is that she gets out of her shoes and gets into his shoes. Mm -hmm. And then her healing stops. Right. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. One of the images that I use is um, when there has been betrayal, it's like a couple has been in the car the husband is driving, the husband has an accident and is totally responsible for the accident. One of the principles that we teach is if I'm struggling with an addiction, uh, my spouse is not responsible for my addiction. And it is inappropriate for me to blame my spouse in any way for my addiction and my acting out. Um, One of the reasons when we talk about doing a full disclosure that we think it's important for the wife to hear the man's sexual history and story prior to the relationship is it's helpful for her to hear that the sexual addiction and the acting out predates her. You know, one of our principles, you probably heard this, is the wife didn't cause it, the wife can't cure it, and the wife can't control it. And I think that first one, the wife did not cause this, I think is very, very important. So it's like this couple is in a car accident. The husband is completely responsible for the car accident. And just like he's going to need his own help to recover from the car accident, she is too. And one of the mistakes that can be made is believing because my husband was the one that was driving the car, I don't need support and help. But the reality, she was injured by the accident. And whether she was driving or not, she's going to need the same type of care. So in the early days, we want to see the wife getting the care that she needs, the support, the help, the truth that's going to be helpful for her as the husband is getting the help that he needs. As she gets stronger, as she is able to be grounded in her truth, there may come back to a time where they can support each other in their own healing and recovery. But in the early days, that is really very difficult. So can you unpack a little bit more of what ideally a team, because you talked about the team of people around um, both both the, the addict and the partner. Can you unpack more about what ideally that is? Mm-hmm. And then also, there are also, the reality is, is that healing is incredibly expensive, right? Therapists, intensives, all of that is incredibly expensive. And there's a lot of people who will be listening who don't have the finances and won't have the finances to ever make it into a therapist's office or or a recovery. So I want to hear ideally, what is it? And then also for those who don't have access to the financial resources it takes to access some of this, what are some steps where they can build that as well? Absolutely. And I'm going to talk more in terms of as you're developing your team, you know, one of the things I believe is that everybody needs a recovery team and nobody is really able to recover with just one resource. So the way that I talk about it is when you're developing your recovery team, one of the things that you need to identify is your place of truth. Whether you're the wife or the husband struggling with addiction, you need a safe place where you can be completely open and honest about the pain, the chaos, the experience. And I'm going to talk more specifically about the person struggling with the addiction. Um, They're going to need a place where they can talk openly about things that they've experienced in their life, in their childhood. And they're going to need a place where they can talk openly and honestly about the choices in their behaviors and the ways that they have acted out. And so that can be a therapist office, that can be a community of men, 
but they're going to have to have a place of being completely open and honest. And we do believe that the truth sets us free. And many times the truth is hurtful. And we've heard people say, I'm going to avoid the truth because it will hurt. One of our principles is, yes, sometimes the truth is hurtful, but even when there's been hurt, there can be healing. What is what is true, though, is um, lying is what is harmful. The truth is never harmful. It is hurtful, but not harmful. So even in the context of a relationship, it's important that there's an, an information that the wife has what she needs. I often tell men, if you're asking your wife to stay with you, it's kind of like buyer beware. You need to let her know what she's signing up for, and she yes. needs the full information to determine whether or not she's able to stay engaged on the journey. So the first thing is a place of truth where I feel safe, I can express what's going on. A second thing is an authentic community. We believe that wives and husbands need a community of people who can be with them in this. It's safe. They're not going to be judged. They're not going to be rejected. And it's incredibly helpful if it's a group of people that get this. Um, one of the things that we do provide at Faithful and True are communities for people. And there is something powerful about knowing you are being understood. That, Absolutely. you know, when you walk into a room, you're not the only one that has ever experienced this, whether it's the addiction and the acting out behavior or it's the, uh, the pain of betrayal. So the second thing is an authentic community. The third thing is what I refer to as a spiritual sacred space, however you define that that place where you wrestle with the divine, you wrestle with the transcendent, you recognize that there is something beyond you that you're going to need some support and help in some form. For those people who do have a faith, this is their place where they can be open and authentic and with their faith experience. One of the things that we see is the vast majority of people who come through Faithful and True would define themselves as Christian. And we also see in some ways how they have experienced their faith has actually not been helpful. It's been a contributing factor to the experience because it has encouraged some hiding and some deception and it hasn't encouraged authenticity. And, you know, it can become more performance and behavior focus, which we know is not going to lead to transformation. So however someone defines a spiritual sacred space, I think that that's important. Um, another piece of this is that emotional space where if I've been using my coping and my addiction to medicate my emotions, I'm going to need to find a place where I can express my emotions. If there's grief, I need to express my grief. If there's anger, I need to safely express my anger. Um, if there's pain, I need to be connected to that pain and feel that pain. This can be a community, this can be friends, this can be uh, my therapist office, but I do need those places where I can be known emotionally and especially for the person struggling with addiction. If I don't deal with the pain, then I'm always going to want my pain medication. And the language I use is we move towards, we move through, we move beyond. And many times, you know, one of the, the phrases I heard so much in the counseling center I, I went to, the stuff that we're not talking about the most and the stuff that we don't deal with the most is the stuff that defines us our most, the most. We actually build our lives around avoidance, which begin to find our life. So finding that place of emotional freedom. The other thing, another piece of this is that expert voice. There's a reason why we go to the specialist in a field. There's a benefit to that person that 
all they deal with are people who are struggling with a particular issue. If it's a medical doctor, we want that cancer specialist or we want that that specialist that deals with the gut or you know the bones, whatever it is. Well, when it comes to healing and therapy, that specialist, that expert voice is going to be important. And then the final thing is what I call the coach mentor voice. It's someone on the journey that's just a little bit further ahead of you that can be a source of encouragement and hope. The A's call it the sponsor. But there is a benefit to having someone that is in recovery, him or herself, that's just a little bit further ahead of the journey on you. So it's a place of truth, authentic community, um, emotional space, a sacred spiritual space, um, the expert voice, and then also the coach mentor. And as far as the financial component of this, you are absolutely right. Um, one of the things I encourage people to do is if you have limited resources, then you want to get the most bang out of your buck. And so, you know, first find those places that can be free or little charge. You know, a lot of organizations, Faithful and True is one of these. We have podcasts. We make those podcasts available for free. There's no cost. And so you're getting some of the teaching. You're getting some of the um, expert opinion of people who work exclusively in this field simply by living, listening to the podcast. Others have podcasts. Um, go to the library to get your books. And what's interesting is a lot of libraries even have a search system where if there's a particular book that you want that they don't have, they have the resources to find that book. Um, if you are a part of a, a community of faith and there's a particular book that you think would be helpful and your church doesn't have access to that, request it. See if they will get it. So start with whatever may be available for a free or low cost. And lots of groups are out there. Um, SA, AA, NA. So there's a lot of resources. Now, here's what's true. Not every group is created equally. So trust your gut. Trust your intuition. One of the principles that we teach is whether it's the wife in you know dealing with betrayal or a husband in his own recovery one of the first parts of this is reclaiming your intuition, trusting yourself. If you're going to a group and it doesn't feel like it's being helpful, then trust. Okay, there's another group out there. Um, I, I went to several groups trying to find the group that was going to be helpful for me. And I'm so glad I didn't settle on the first one. It was like the third group that I thought, these are my people. So look for people who seem to be healing. Look for people who are experiencing freedom. Look for people who aren't carrying resentment and bitterness. Those are the kinds of people that we want to be with and find where those people are gathering and join with them. And then whatever limited resources you have, put them towards those things that are going to make the biggest difference. If you have enough money for one counseling session a month, then save those pennies, put that money, and then have that one session a month. And then build, you know, Come ready to work, but have a plan of what I'm going to do when I leave. Um, and, and there are some ways to navigate this um, with whatever resources people have. So one last question. I, I have several in my mind, but I want to come back to this one. As we're talking about sexual addiction and we're talking about the complexities of that, there I brought this up before and I want to circle back to it. There's Sometimes with the term addiction can come this belief that relapse is part of recovery. Personally, I do not believe that. And I've seen many men who have made it through without 
relapse. But I Correct. want if you if you could speak to that a little bit, especially for that wife who has kind of gotten that. So now she believes that I have to accept relapse because it's part of recovery because he's an addict. Right. And and so and sometimes the that that's been so ingrained that anything else is not kind of even in their mind frame yet. So can you speak a little bit to that. Absolutely. So I agree with you completely that sobriety, freedom from the acting out is absolutely possible. Um, you look at any of the addictions, whether it's narcotics, alcohol, sex addiction, gambling addiction, even spending addiction, those can, we can live in sobriety. Um, what, what's true is it is going to take a lot of work and effort. You know, one of the things, if we're working with a client that is struggling maintaining sobriety, one of the things that we ask is what is missing from your team? It's not about, you know, a lot of times what's wrong with you. That That's not the question to ask. There's nothing wrong with the person struggling with sobriety. The question is what's missing from your team. And what may be true is I have great resources. I'm not maximizing and stewarding my resources. And that's what's missing. I do have a community of men. I do go to a group, but I'm not fully maximizing my group. I'm not reaching out to them. I'm not being open. I'm not being transparent. And so anytime someone is struggling, we got to get in there and figure out what is missing because we believe sobriety is possible. Sobriety and recovery are two separate things but they work together. I know men who are sober and yet I don't trust their sobriety because I don't believe they're in recovery. I know men who are not sober, but I trust that sobriety is going to come because they are in recovery. Now, one of the images that I use is we have men come to our workshop and men come from a variety of different backgrounds and have a variety of different stories. And at the workshop, we cast the vision that recovery is possible and sobriety is possible. The challenge, though, is not everybody shows up with the same experiences. Kind of the image that I use is men come to our workshop and we cast this vision of building a house. The problem is not everybody inherits the same quality of property to build the house. Some men show up and their property is pretty good and they can immediately start building their house. Other men come and because of their story, because of their experiences, because of their chaos, their property is going to need a lot of work before they can even begin to build their house. And so one of the things to understand is working on the property is part of the process of building the house. And while you are working on your property, you can still seek to maintain sobriety. Even if all you can do is function behaviorally and stop the acting out, you are able to do that even as you're getting ready to build your house. The problem is you're going to have to find additional resources and commitment the more chaos and pain that you've experienced. And so understanding the importance of that level of commitment, I think that that's what wives are wanting to see. They're wanting to see, you know, we talk about no matter what I have to do to stay sober, I am willing to do that. And part of that is the taking it seriously and also having hope. You know, it's interesting. If I don't have hope for sobriety, then I won't be sober. But if I can genuinely believe, hey, my sobriety is possible, then I can live into that reality. And I think that that's why that hope piece is so important. 
if, if I'm a man and I'm starting recovery, but I don't believe sobriety is possible, then I shouldn't be surprised when I don't have sobriety. So Greg, thank you so much. I've, I've been around this field a long time and there are so many nuggets that, that you said that I was like, wow, that, whew, I might have to <laughs> listen to this interview myself. It was really good. So thank you so much. Okay. I have this. one question for you. Sure. So given what I've said, is there anything that would be helpful for me to go back and clarify that a wife listening to this might need a little bit more explanation or the thing I want to, to communicate clearly is this idea that this is not an excuse for somebody's behavior. This is not a justification. In fact, we talk a lot about that. Um, this is an understanding and that understanding in our experience is actually what can lead to freedom. I'm so glad you said that because sometimes I forget that because that's my understanding too of there is no excuse. Exactly. It doesn't matter what happened in childhood. It doesn't matter if childhood was good or if there was horrible abuse or whatnot. It does not matter what happened in childhood. Um, there's no excuse. Now there's compassion and understanding. And mm -hmm. like we said before, understanding is power. So it's helpful to have a foundation of what is going on with yeah. my husband, right? When, but, but you're right, never her fault. One, one thing I would add is the thing to look for for someone in recovery is ownership. Yes. You know, the alternative to ownership is either blame or shame. Blame says it's all your fault or it's all this circumstance's fault. Shame says it's all my fault and I'm worthless. And what we know is if I'm in blame or shame, I'm not going to lead to freedom because it must be ownership. And there are three pieces to ownership. The first is acknowledgement. I'm sorry. I did this. I hurt you. I made these choices. The second piece of ownership, though, is and to create a plan to change. You know, for a lot of women, they have been significantly hurt because their husbands have acknowledged it. And yet it continues to happen. So that's not full ownership. It's I create a plan to change is the second. Then the third piece is and I implement that plan. So if you're married to a man that's acknowledging it and talks about a plan to change, but never implements that plan, that's not ownership. And so ownership is actually what creates safety. And a lot of wives intuitively can see that their husbands aren't owning it. Maybe they acknowledge it. Maybe they acknowledge it and, you know, create a plan to change, but they don't implement that plan. That's the piece to look for. So it's not blame. It's not shame. It is that ownership piece that leads to recovery and transformation. So I can't think of anything off the top of my head that, okay. that you need to go back and clarify. But, uh, but if, if somebody is listening to this, whether it's a wife or whether she told her husband, hey, you really need to listen to this and stuff comes up or people just want to contact you and work with you or whatnot, how can they get a hold of you? I think the best way to do that is through um, Faithful and True. So they can reach out and just send an email to info at faithfulandtrue.com. And um, that will go to our administrative staff. And then you could just say that I heard Greg teach. I'd like to follow up with him and they will make sure that I get that. Or if you just have general questions about um, recovery and sexual addiction, you can go to our website, faithfulandtrue.com. And that will provide you with a lot of information. Um, at Faithful and True, we do workshops for men who struggle with sex addiction. And one of the things I want to say at this point is we know that there are a lot of women who struggle with sexual addiction. 
And so in no way are we dismissing that. And so much of the work that we do is applicable to women who are struggling. It's our organization was established around the model of Mark and Deb Laser. And Mark was the one who struggled with sexual addiction. His wife, Deb, was the spouse in recovery from the injury that she experienced. And so that's kind of our model. We work with men who struggle with sexual addiction. We work with spouses and then we work with couples. So every month we do a workshop for men. So if there's a man who has heard this and, and is looking for a resource, we do a monthly workshop in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. And we do a workshop for wives who have been betrayed. And we do that three or four times a year. And then we do a couples workshop for couples who are going through re relational betrayal. And so all of that information can be found at our website. So that's a great way to get a hold of us. Awesome. And, and lastly, Mark, I know that you have a freebie. I do. So can you share that for our audience? Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I want to offer. I'm sorry, I said Mark, Greg. That's okay. <laughs> when someone calls me Mark, I'm not offended. Um, uh, so one of the things I want to offer is we have a tool that we use to help men understand how to create a recovery plan. And it's called the three circle plan. It's not unique to faithful and true. It is something that is pretty common in the uh, recovery community. But we have written a PDF about how to implement that. And so for wives, I think it would be a great resource because she could actually read through what a recovery plan could look like. And again, you know, we talked before we started the recording. This isn't something that you go and impose on your spouse, you know, and maybe it's actually a resource he needs. But maybe it's something that you offer. Hey, I came across this resource. If you're interested, you know, here's something that you might look at. And for men who maybe are encouraged to listen to this, um, absolutely, I would encourage them to reach out and to ask for the three circle plan. It's a PDF that just explains how to use this and implement it in your own recovery journey. Awesome. And we'll have information about how you can get that just below this video. So great. So Greg, thank you so much for your time and for all the work that you are doing. To, well, thank you. To help people in healing. Thank you for joining us today on the Faithful and True podcast. We hope that this two-part series with Dr. Greg Miller and Tammy Gustafson from the Betrayal Healing Conference has been beneficial to you. And uh, if this information has helped you, given you new understanding, or just maybe illustrating the, the need that you have in your life to get the help that uh, you have been delaying uh, to uh, address any problems that you might be confronted by uh, with sexual addiction issues. We invite you to visit faithfulandtrue.com where you'll find many, many resources available to you. You'll find our online bookstore as well as access to other resources such as over 400 podcasts such as this one. We also want to invite you to take a close look at the three-day intensive workshops that we offer for men, their spouses, and couples. In the meantime, thank you for joining us. We appreciate your loyal viewership. We hope that the coming week for you will be a week filled with many blessings and with great vision. <music>